You're listening to Inclusive AF with Jackie Clayton and Katie Van Horn. Hello. <laughs> Hi, hey, Katie. Hey, I'm hey. excited today. I'm infusing this Friday with as much excitement as I can. Just loving that. Um, so this is Katie Van Horn. This is Jackie Clayton. Do you like yeah, that? Is. And this is the Inclusive <laughs> A podcast. Um, so, Jackie, it's Friday. You just got home. Yes, from okay. Seattle. I, I think I need to have a summer home in Seattle. This is like my sixth time this year to go to Seattle. I would love for you to buy that home, and then I will go visit you at that home. Because Turns out, by the way, a little pricey. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't know that. Uh, yeah, I, we'd have to maybe bring some funds together and get a, a few more folks to join in on that. Um, well, uh, Jackie, we have an amazing guest today. Uh, Dr. Ramona Lawrence is with us. And so uh, Dr. Lawrence would love for you to introduce yourself and uh, share a little bit about your background. Hey, well, I am excited to be here with an exciting call already. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I am ready for this one. Um, so I am Ramona Lawrence. I am my regular job is a professor. I'm a public health professor, actually. And so um, that's where the doctor part comes in. But I'm a speaker, I'm a coach, I'm a consultant, and I own a um, software as a service or systems as a service company. Um, and I do diversity, equity, and inclusion training. And so um, a little bit about my background, you know, I always tell people I am a black woman from the deep South. I was raised in a Christian home and my dad was a police officer. And so when you think about all of those different <laughs> things and coming together and what has happened uh, in the world recently, um, I, I really can see how uh, my views have been shaped uh, and, and how I am um, really kind of drawn towards inclusion and, and making sure that other people are um, inclusive and have that inclusive lens. And so, um, yes, I, I'm a public health professor. I have that background. I'm also, um, my first business was in network marketing. And so I um, really started to see that there were not a lot of women who looked like me at the top of the company. And that is how I moved into diversity, equity, and inclusion work a lot more deeply because I was like there is no way that there are not black women who are working hard enough to get to the top of this company so we need to figure this out and um so the intersection of my own personal background with my training within you know public health social justice health inequities all of that with my experience in network marketing is what bought me to this place where now I am the um, founder and CEO of Dr. Ramona H. Lawrence Coaching, where I do the di diversity, equity, and inclusion work and also systems work with my clients. So that is a little bit about me. Awesome. I love that. Yeah, that's all. You're right. When I put that in my head, there's a lot going on, <laughs> of, you know, like, oh, there's a lot of pieces that go along with that. Thank you for sharing. Yes. So I would love to, so where are you based now? I live in Southeast Georgia, so near Savannah. Okay. All right. So you uh, mm -hmm. still are in the, the deep South. So that's good. That's yeah, good. I am. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so what inspired you to get into this work? I know you just said, you know, not seeing women of color at the top, but 
how did that translate into actually creating your own company and, and doing this work as kind of your life, your life's work? <clears throat> yeah, I, um, you know, I, I was always really drawn towards this work. Like I said, when I got my public health degree, this is how I was trained, right, to have this more inclusive lens and to make sure that everybody's perspective was brought to the table when we made decisions about health of the population. And so um, when I went into network marketing, they started to ask me to come and do diversity, equity, and inclusion training for the consultants. And so they, some, and I can't remember how, but they found out that I did this work. And so I did one training and then did many. So they would fly me all over the country and um, have me to come and do the, the training with consultants at different events that they were having. But one thing that I realized is that I had the knowledge and the, the talent and the, the gift to do this, but I only did it when they told me that I could. And being in that box was it, it just was maddening to me because I had to be censored. I had to send the things that I was going to say, make sure that it was uh, aligned with everything that the company and, and their beliefs and, and all of that. And sometimes you have to say things that people aren't comfortable with. And so having to censor, doing it only when they said that I could and realizing that there was so much work to do, not only in the company that I was with, but in so many different companies. And so I said, you know what, this is a full-time job in itself. I'm going to start this work. And so that's what I did. And I've worked with other companies since, uh, started doing coaching um, with individuals in network marketing. And so, yeah, that's how I started the process is by you know, being asked to do that with the company and then realizing that it was way bigger than that one company. I, I want to dig into the public health piece only because when I think about it and, and we've talked about it on the program before, like people don't recognize that people are treated differently. Illnesses are treated differently. Side effects are treated differently. We've talked about like a lot of these things are, are white men as a, a woman of a certain age. I'm like all of these things as I'm in perimenopause going into menopause. I'm like, I know a woman didn't create this process because this is absolute <laughs> torture you know it was not a woman who's gone through menopause that said oh nobody needs pain really you'll be fine as we you know stick things on you and prod you um yeah. but then also it was very telling at one point I went to my doctor they were asking various questions and they had said asked if I had felt like I was in pain because I should feel pain because it's been in in the last five years I've been in pain and and I was like I don't even know what you're talking about. And they were like, given your lifestyle, you would never, you would never notice that you were in pain. That's what that feeling is that you can't, mm -hmm. that's making you not sleep. You're not tired. You're in pain. And I wanted to talk to you about if there were other things that you've seen um, regardless public regarding public health that has to do, especially with like as a black woman that you realize that isn't taught in the mainstream that needs to be addressed oh there are so many i mean but <laughs> I keep mean, it down to like a hundred <laughs> and we only have 45 minutes so if you can knock it out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Uh, well, when you think about um, black women and um, just one thing that we really talk about is their birth outcomes. And no matter what level of education you have, no matter how fit you are, no matter how um, many doctor's appointments you've gone to, black women have worse health outcomes when it comes to birth. We have more um worse birth rates, different things that happen to women um, when they have babies. And so um, that's something that is uh, huge in public health. There's a um, documentary um, called Unnatural Causes, and there's one um, that's called When the Bow Breaks, and and thinking about what happens with uh, Black women and these uh, birth outcomes and why there's um, so much worse, uh, you know, birth and health within babies within black women. But I think that there are so many different things that um, we come to our doctors with, just like what you were saying with the, um, you know, going into menopause or just our, our health outcomes with our, our bodies and, and people aren't listening. And that's the thing is that when we want, we want people that look like us to be able to treat us, um, and that's one reason is because it's like, oh, I feel like I'm banging my head against the wall. People are not listening when I'm saying that this is an, a symptom that I'm having. This is an outcome that I'm having. And so I think it's really important for us, one, to just listen and actually mm. do something about it when black women are talking. And so um, I think that's one of one of the biggest things that's going on in public health. I'm glad. Thank you for sharing that. I agree with you. And, mm-hmm. it, and it's and it's it's around that work just in, in diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging is mm-hmm. of listening mm-hmm. to people's truth and accepting their truth. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the historical context of just for whatever reason, not believing black women when they say I'm in pain or I have this happening and and you just hear so many of these just horrific stories of wait, you went to the hospital and they sent you home. Like what? Like and that would just never mm-hmm. happen. And, and it is so like, there is that piece where you go, this is just bananas. And how can this possibly happen? And it is happening over and over and over again. Um, and mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, it just, it's, it's so, it is frustrating and I am not living yeah. it. So I, I can only imagine um, and I would be remiss if I didn't talk about sickle cell disease, right? <laughs> because yes. that is my research focus, right? I, I I think about, you know, things that are general, like birth outcomes with women. But when I think about the genetic dis- disorder, sickle cell disease, and sickle cell disease is a genetic disorder that primarily affects African-Americans, not only primarily it fa- affects African-Americans. And so when we think about this genetic disorder, um, even individuals with sickle cell disease are often treated worse than individuals who are African-Americans who don't have sickle cell disease. And so we are having the, the, the disparity within the disparity, right? And so if you don't know what sickle cell is, let me just tell you real quick, because I know a listener may not know, but it's a genetic disorder. It's a recessive genetic disorder that happens when your parents, both of them have a trait and that trait would be some sort of sickle um, cell gene. And so when those people um, come together and they uh, reproduce, and and then you're born, then if you have the sickle genes, then a lot of times people have um, 
pain, there's organ damage, there's all kinds of things that happen um, within your body as a result of that genetic disorder. And so um, going into a hospital when you have a genetic disorder that primarily affects African-Americans is automatically linked to stigma um, where said, the people are said said people are said to have um, drug addiction because of the extreme pain that happens when your cells sickle inside your body and you need pain medicine chronically. And so, um, yeah, I would definitely be remiss if I did not talk about sickle cell disease specifically uh, because a lot of people don't know about that particular genetic disorder that happens in the African-American community and beyond, but primarily within the African-American community. Thank you for calling that out. And, you know, I, I think it's just, it's a, a good reminder that we still have so much further to go in this work. Mm. Um, I, I, I want to switch gears slightly and talk about, you know, I, I saw that you have worked with Arvon and Rodan and Fields and some of these other, um, I don't know if they would be considered like beauty products, but you know, like mm-hmm. what, what was like, how did that go? How, what was that like? And, you know, what were you helping them with? It, whatever you can share, I guess I should say that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's exactly what I was talking about in the beginning is how do we help uh, everybody to get to the top of this company? How do we look inside the company and see what's happening with the um, different consultants, whether they have different um, races, ethnicities, lifestyles, whatever it is, um, how do we make this a more inclusive process? And a lot of times companies aren't thinking <laughs> about what they're doing. They're just like, oh, let's just put this product out. And so I help them to have a more inclusive lens and to look through the the journey that a consultant or either a customer would go through. So for instance, if you are a company and you put some, um, some let's say suntan lotion out, right? Well, some company, some uh, communities, this is going to be a better product for them than it is for other communities. And so let's follow this through a 27 year old white woman's community. And let's follow this through a 50 year old black woman's community. And what you say is everybody's got the same products. They've got the same 24 hours in a day. We've got the same compensation plan. Why are you not getting to the top? When we have these two things, we're giving everybody the same thing. Why aren't you making it? And so they aren't even thinking about some of these things and following these products or these these uh, processes through the customer journey. And so I go through and help them to, one, just understand diversity, equity, and inclusion. Because when I say diversity, everybody thinks I'm just talking about race. They don't think about any other aspect of diversity except for race. And so we have to level set terms first. And then we go into, well, what's happening with your recruitment, your onboarding, your activity, the retention and we look at the the gaps and the things that are happening in the systems. And so um, it depends on where the company is. A lot of times it may be a general diversity, equity, and inclusion training. 
or it may be a little bit deeper where we really talk about um, what's happening here and your with your biases and recruitment and you're trying to duplicate this system that works for um, middle class white women with blonde hair. Right. And so we have to really think about what are the things that are that need to be different to make sure that other people can get to the top, too. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. I appreciate you talking about products in particular we were Mm -hmm. like this past week in seattle when we were sitting outside and someone was like oh like do you need sunscreen and i was didn't say out loud but i was thinking oh i only use um black girl sunscreen now because of the product (laughs) in it and i thought that's a whole conversation that i don't want to (laughs) have right now because when i tell people or they see it and i and i i always go to the pool and i'll see people you know that aren't black women and I'll be like oh you need black girl sunscreen like that woman has this big white film all over them (laughs) and it's like you need black girl sunscreen um so you don't look like that but I think it is important in products and so often in the products in the marketing you don't see people that look like us or it's just slapped on there and this product doesn't work the same way in colors and I think I was well into my 30s before I realized like oh, that eyeshadow is not going to look like that on me or that Mm -hmm. lipstick doesn't look like that on me. Um, And I I find that interesting. But then network marketing in particular, because you're networking with your community, with your friends. And at some point, you've tapped out or you've bought into other people's networks that maybe you weren't initially a, a part of. I would be curious as to what challenges that you you see on a more regular basis when you're in that space. Yeah. And and one thing that you said was really interesting is that um, when people are networking with their own communities, a lot of times um, if you see how teams are formed, if the individuals who are are white just network with their communities then they can make it they're fine they they don't ever have to talk to people that are outside of their communities but a lot of times when black individuals or um, BIPOC individuals just network with their communities it's not the same right and so it's like okay get out of your community get out of the box go and talk to someone else but the white people aren't having to do that, right? They're not having to say, oh, let me go and uh, expand my my uh, network more outside of um, my, my comfort zone as it, as it relates to race, right? So let me uh, clarify that. And so it can be a little bit difficult to um, 
go just expand in the network when you have to go through another barrier that other people don't always have to. And so um, that's one of the things. And another thing that I see is that um, what is happening in these organizations is that they're recruiting for diversity, but they're onboarding for conformity. So what's happening is, yes, we tell people, come on in. We want diversity. We want you to be able to thrive. Everybody can make it. But then when we onboard, we say, here's the recipe that you have to have. (laughs) And this is exactly how it has to be. And so when you think about like your grandma who was, you know, back in the working in in her kitchen, she would make something and she would throw a little bit of spice. She would do different things. And she knew how to cook and how to make sure you ate, right? She didn't follow a recipe because she didn't know if she was going to have the same exact ingredients in another kitchen, right? So she wasn't going to say, I have to do it this way. She said, you need this type of spice. So what's happening in these companies is that they're giving people recipes and they say it can only happen this way, right? So do it like this. This is the way that I want it duplicated. It's got to work like this. Instead of saying, you need a spice in step one, whatever spice like you like, put that in, <laughs> right? Here's step two. You need this butter. If you want vegan butter, if you want this, but it doesn't matter, put in some type of butter, right? So they're not giving frameworks. They're giving recipes. And then when a person takes that recipe to their community and it doesn't work, then it's like, why does this not work for you? You didn't follow the recipe. Well, yes, I did but I didn't have that ingredient in my community. Does that make sense? And so that's what, that's a big issue that I'm seeing happening is that it's they're They're trying to do these cookie cutter types of things, these copy and paste messages that don't work across communities. So they've got to broaden it and give people frameworks and say, however, this works for your community. This is what you need to do. You need to present, but do it in your way, right? And so that that's some of the, the really big issues that I'm seeing. And I think it goes back to what you started this conversation with. Uh, when you don't have those leaders at the top, they can talk about bring your mm-hmm. own spice. You know, here here's the framework, but do it your way that makes sense for the people that you're targeting or, you know, whatever it might be. I think that's the piece that holds folks back. Um, I, mm-hmm. I did a uh, pampered chef for a while. I sold pampered chef for mm-hmm. a while. It, it's same thing. And I was like this, I'm not, you know, the Becky Homecky, let me, you know, bake something for you, but I love to cook and I love to do things my mm-hmm. way and here are the tools I like, but it, I did not do well because it was a, here's, here's the words you need to say when you're standing in front yeah. of folks. That was not, that's not my jam. You know, that's not, I don't, exactly. I don't well with the script. <laughs> So uh, absolutely, you know, you got to make sure it makes sense for the person and to make sure it makes sense for the folks that they are trying to sell to. So um, Mm -hmm. I want to talk to you. I want to ask you about this whole concept of, you know, software services as a system. So kind of that SaaS uh, model, if you will. Talk a little bit about that and kind of what, how you approach that, how you think about that. 
Yeah. So I always start everybody with this idea of roar. Um, and I just talked about it a little bit without saying the acronym. And so I'll tell you what it means. And so roar is a framework that I take people through to make sure that they have um, set up their business processes properly. And so we look at recruitment, onboarding activity and the retention. So I named it Roar in the first place because I was doing all of this diversity, equity, and inclusion training. And I would say, stand up, speak up for people, make sure that you speak out. And I realized that a lot of people could not even speak up for themselves, much less mm -hmm. speaking for somebody else. Right. And so I said, Roar. We need people to get their voice, be able to speak out about diversity and inclusion. And so that's kind of the overarching uh, reason for the name. And then breaking down the roar was the recruitment, onboarding activity and retention. So when I think about systems and I think about, you know, the issues with diversity and inclusion, that is systems issues. When you think about businesses and why people aren't getting to the top of companies, it's a systems issue. And so my um, thought is, what do I need to fix in the system? So typically when I look at a business, I know that there's going to be something going on with recruitment onboarding, their activity or retention. It, there's a break somewhere if there is a problem in your system with people getting to the top or people staying into that system. And so basically I take people through the steps to audit their recruitment, onboarding activity or retention. And so we look everywhere from their lead generation, what are the things that they're doing that may be causing biases in recruitment um, all the way up to here we are at retention and we need to make sure that that our clients or either our team members have been included. They're happy. <laughs> they are, are, are doing the things that they need to do to be successful. So I take people through those nine stages and say, how do we develop your systems in each one of these categories, the, the recruitment, the onboarding, the activity and retention? So once people understand that and they understand the breaks and we look onto all of those things with a diversity and inclusion lens and we say, where are you not being inclusive? What's happening with these processes? Once they get all of that kind of situated, then I automate it. <laughs> and so in the system, that system is I Engage You, and it is a platform that has everything that a business owner could possibly need in their back end. And so if they need to do email marketing, they need to do conversations, they need to do social media, they need their website, their blog, their membership, all of that is within this one platform. And I was looking for something that would level the playing field for people. And when you think about coaching and you think about going into um, the, the space where you have different coaches that are saying, you need this app, you need this app, you need this app, it gets extremely expensive. And people are like, I can't even afford to start my business. And then they they just fail. And so I said, I need something that has all of that in one place to give business owners their back end of everything that they could possibly need in the business that aligns with this Roar framework so that then they're able to um, handle it. And right. And a lot of times people are overwhelmed. They're working another job. They're trying to 
just manage it all. And so that's where the system comes in. And so I don't want to just give people coaching and say, here's what you should do. And now buy all these apps. When I give them the coaching, then they can automate it in that system and it can do everything that they need. And so, again, I call it I engage you. And so that is uh, the name of the system. And they go in and they, they have that full back end set up. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube. I know a lot of people need that. <laughs> so it's like, wait a minute. That's a lot. I want to know more <laughs> about that. I'm like, wait. Yeah. Because there are so many pieces and changing the system and then trying to support people after you make that change to make it consistent is is tough. I think it's one of the harder aspects of this kind of work. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, that that's the thing is that it's been so many things that have been disjointed and a lot of times business owners are like, I'm, I'm here and I'm setting up this diversity and inclusion environment. I, I'm wanting things to be equitable for them. And I set it up and then I'm saying, okay, come in and, and let's work and, and be prepared for the global marketplace. And it's like, oh, I don't have the systems I need to thrive in this environment that you just opened up for me. And so I was like, I've got to do something different. I've got to open the environment for people. And then I've got to equip them to play the game. Right. So you got to have the the things that you need when it, you go into the, the new inclusive environment that's there, that's set and that's ready for you. And so in order to take the seat at the table, you've got to have your, your systems together in business as well. So what my systems do is merge that. It's like, I'm going to look at diversity and inclusion, but I'm also preparing you so that you have your backend systems and that banks are going to listen to you, that your customers are going to listen to you and that you have what you need to be able to thrive. So there's no reason to put people in the environment if they, if you don't equip them with what they need to be successful. We're not trying to get you to say, aha, yeah, you, you didn't have what you needed. That's the issue, right? <laughs> we don't want to do that. We want to equip people when we open the door and make sure they can thrive when they get in. It's interesting. We just had a, a conversation with uh, a very, very uh, dynamic uh, business owner. And, you know, and I think that was one of the things that even starting my own business and listening to her story, it is that the systems and the things that you don't even, you're not even aware of, the things that no. you don't know are going to be a challenge. And so any type of support, like, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll share my own journey. It was like the setting up a business, you know, and actually, you know, having the LLC, knowing mm -hmm. what to do with taxes, all of these things. And to have some sort of tool that tells you about that stuff, but then also with that inclusive framework and thought process, when you're thinking about marketing, when you're thinking about who are you reaching out to, who are those leads for you, all of those things, like it would just be a huge 
uh, resource, I think, for anyone that is an entrepreneur mm -hmm. or that is looking at how do they approach some of these steps, because that's the scariest part. And especially, I mean, I yeah. we all know this, the being a business owner and, you know, those kind of even throughout one day, you can have these, you know, dips and and highs that are so intense yes. that, that it is like anything that you can do to support and and help the folks that are living that every single day is huge. So I, I love mm -hmm. it. I love this concept. Absolutely. And I, I, that's the reason that I did this. It's just there's so many unwritten rules of business that nobody talks about. And then, you know, people of color often don't get access to those rules as readily as other people do. And I'm like, no, I'm figuring this out and I'm going to tell people I'm going to announce it and, and shout it from the rooftops because I think that it's so important, not only for people of color, but that's the work that, that I do, right? I do diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so I'm really concerned that um, when we're thinking about how do we build our communities, how do we build our financial systems, that should come from within. It shouldn't be that we need to go out and get that from someone else all the time. This is something that we are very talented people and we can do it. And, and it's just that we need the resources and we need the education and somebody who is not trying to hide it. But how do you just shout it out and say, this is what you need? It's enough for everybody. Go get it. Right? And I'm yes. going to support you in getting it. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a, I, I think one of the things is that we were like in touching in, in this is that there is a grand assumption that everybody has the same 24 hours in a day. Everybody has yeah. that, that same opportunity in talking about that. Like everyone has that, that same access. And, you know, we, more recently, it was my birthday. My husband and I went to this um, spa and we were talking about all the other things. And it was like, you know, there are people who don't even know that this world exists at all. They don't know and, and wouldn't know how to act once they got to a certain space. And you don't realize that a lot of the lessons are coming. You have passed down lessons. And so if you have this going on generationally, you might not have ever gotten those same lessons. And we, mm -hmm. and depending on your community, like you're saying, your friends, if you go to church or where you worship, all of these different things that have that aspect, it's important to have a, a place where, because if you don't have those access, you don't know that the system that you were taught as true is broken. And mm -hmm. who's helping you push through those things. And there's, there's so, there's, you know, so many broken systems, just like we were, you know, kind of alluding to. Yeah. So many broken systems. <laughs> and that's the thing that I um, say in my, in my business, what my mission is, is to challenge broken systems that keep people from reaching their highest potential. Because I think that there are so many there there's the issues with diversity and inclusion there's the issues with um what's happening in healthcare that we started this conversation with there's issues with just what people are doing in the back end of their business that they see other people that are posting on social media but they have no clue all of the things that are behind that one social media post that somebody's doing and they're wondering why they're not succeeding 
And it's because they don't have the knowledge of the system, right? That it is. And so when you don't understand systems and you don't understand where those systems can be broken, then you are in a world of trouble. And we have somewhere to go for every type of system. If there's, if we have a broken bone, we're not going to let it stay broken. We go and fix the system because the skeletal system is not working. If something's happening with our heart, we go and fix it if we feel our heart beat skipping or something like that. And so it's so important with any system that we go and figure out who is it that I need to go to to help to fix this. And with diversity and inclusion, often people feel like they're just stuck and they're like, I don't know what to do. I'm not doing anything. And I always tell people, figure out what your area of disruption is. That's what you need to do. So it's not that you have to do everything. When people think about diversity and inclusion, they think about, I've got to go out to the corner and get a sign and stand on the corner now to, to march. Right? And that is not everybody's area of disruption. Right? So it needs to be like, okay, I'm figuring out what I need to be educated about. I'm figuring out what I can do in my home with teaching my children or what I can do in my workplace to make it more inclusive for other people. That's where your area of disruption is. Sometimes it's not with everything and, and at every level. And so if we can just figure that out and figure out what part of the system we want to work on and that we are, are called to work on, then I think that people will be less stagnant about this and and not so afraid to just take a step and take action. Well, and it's actually bringing to mind something that, you know, I I think is also related to this. So uh, I don't know if you know Arlen Hamilton um, and, you know, some of the other investors that are focusing on people of color and focusing on how do Mm -hmm. we get funding for businesses, things along those lines. And I think that's also been something that has been missing And it is that I don't even know where to start and I don't know where I can go or I'm going in front of these investors and it's, you know, a group of white men and they don't even get what I'm trying to Mm -hmm. put across or what I'm trying to sell or what I'm trying to ask them to invest in and that type of thing. And so it is, you know, being able to look at whatever the, the tool is, whatever the thing is that they're trying to sell and figure out what is that right space? What are the right things? How do we sell this? What are those different places to go? So I love that you're doing this because I think it's just such a, there is a hole and it's, this is what you can do to kind of fill that, mm-hmm. that need and fill that, which is such a, a huge piece to how do we start to can, you know, build generational wealth, build out different mm-hmm. things that just have not been there and even create awareness of, you know, Jackie, to your point people don't even know these things exist or don't, you know, haven't had the exposure to them. So they just don't know. And so how do we continue to to build that out? So thank you for that work. That's amazing. Um, So the other question that I I had for you, the other thing that I kind of want to dig in on is, you know, you talked a little bit about training, but you also talked about, you know, this framework that you have, um, mm-hmm. of the ROAR system and looking at things. So when you are working with uh, organizations, where do you start and where do you, you know, how do you think about new partnerships, new clients, that type of thing, where do you start with them? 
Um, so with anybody that I'm working with, I'm always going to start with the individual and look at and help them to see themselves. Because if you don't see yourself in the the bigger picture and you don't understand your own lens, uh, then nothing else is going to work because all organizations, all leaders are made of individuals. And I help them to understand where is it that you're coming from and then how is that affecting what you're doing as you're moving forward? Typically, I also would give someone the um, an assessment, right? Because I need to know where they are on the uh, on the continuum, and so I need to ensure that they are uh, at a place where they can start to do this work. So, if you are low, and and what I do is the intercultural um, development inventory, the IDI. So if I'm doing the IDI and I find that you're way down into um, denial or polarization or something else, then I'm going to say, okay, this is what we might need to do. You might need to get to a point where you understand that there are differences and that everybody is not the same and, and that we that that we need to do things differently sometimes. If they're not even at that point, then there's no reason for me to continue to move forward, right? Um, and, and not necessarily not continue to move forward, but I I need a different plan of action based on where they are. Um, and so if if they're a little higher on the continuum, then we just know where they are. We develop a plan so that we can continue to move them up to a place of adaptation where they can actually change their behavior and work with people of different cultures. So we look at that. And once you know you and your um, it, it, this particular assessment can be done for an organization too. So we can know where the whole organization is on the continuum. So once we figure that out, then we can say, okay, here's what's possibly happening with your recruitment. Let's dig down in. What are your processes? What are your um, standard operation? Op, op, standard <laughs> operating procedures. Uh, the, I, I don't know why I'm blah, blah, blah today. <laughs> your, your, uh, <laughs> your SOPs. And then uh, what are the different policies that you have? What are the different things that you're doing uh, to ensure that you're moving people through the pipeline in your organization? So we look within those, see if we see anything that's blaring give them a plan to to mitigate that based on where they are on that continuum. Um, that would be for a larger company. Um, do We would do something a, pretty much the same for a team or a smaller organization, but it wouldn't probably be deep into policies and things like that. When you're thinking about a network marketing team, normally they have their onboarding that they do and they they tell you how they recruit and we look at the workflow of that and what's happening and then adjust that so that we can make it um, more inclusive and make sure that they have um, best practices in place and then once they have best practices then we do the the automation piece awesome well, uh, I would love to continue this conversation uh, for the rest of the day, but alas, <laughs> we are we are at uh, at time. But uh, Dr. Lawrence, I would love for you to share, and you know, we'll we'll go around the the room here. Um, would love for you to share what are one or two things that you would like our audience to take away from this conversation. What are the things that you think are really critical that that they need to know? And Jackie and I will also uh, respond. Okay. Um, so the first thing is that what I talked about, about your own reflection and absolutely knowing where you are, why you believe the things that you do. So that individual reflection. 
The second thing is then after you do that reflection to really think about determining your area of disruption. That is important because if you just reflect and you don't act, then we're not going to get anywhere, right? And then when you're thinking about your team, just remember when you're thinking about your team, your company, that a lot of different people can be in the same room, but they can have totally different experiences. They can be on the same Zoom and have totally different experiences. And so it's important to follow the journey of a team member or of a customer before you start doing something. Or if you are looking at your policies now, look at recruitment, onboarding, the activity and retention and follow that through different journeys. And then you'll be able to see if there are any breaks in the system that are keeping people from reaching their highest potential. So that's mine. Thank you. Jackie, what you got? I like the spice, like what spice do you have and what (laughs) spice do you need? I like that. You know, there's so many times where it's like, like you're saying, you know, even if you, you follow the recipe and it's too much for me, it could be too much for me at that moment or not enough. Like, like I can't tell what's going on. What kind of experience am I supposed to be having here? So I like that analogy of the spice, uh, especially, I think. Awesome. And, and I think for me, it's the, the whole idea. And it's something that we talk about so often in the space, not everyone's experience is the same and being able to really understand where are people coming from? What do they need to be successful? What tools will be helpful? All of those pieces, how you can springboard that into success and achieving your goals and all of these things. And I think that there can't be a cookie cutter model for everyone that will actually drive success for everyone. You have to really be looking at the individuals, as you said, you know, holding up that mirror, helping them really look at who they are to be able to give them the right tools, the right, you know, whatever it is that they need to be able to roar. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Well, uh, thank you. Uh, you know, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with Jackie and I today. Um, this has been great. And, you know, we really appreciate uh, you taking the time. Um, this is Katie Van Horn. And this is Jackie Clayton. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.